Welcome to the Sunday Session Podcast. We are back after a one-week enforced origin hiatus. Chris Kennedy in the studio with Craig Wing and Kenny Scott. Gentlemen, good to be back. Good to be back, boys. It's great to be back. I'm really excited. I missed you guys. I really did. It feels like it's been a while, hasn't it? You're the only one that's not sick. Exactly. So uh, please stick to your ends of the office. There's a few lurkies going around, so you're hoping to quarantine yourself, but um, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So we're going to dive straight into the eight games, heading back from the most recent one to the start of the round. Finish off with a little bit of origin chat because uh, it's a pretty short turnaround between games two and three, and there's a couple of changes on the horizon to talk about. We'll start off with the Bulldogs and the Sharks, Sunday afternoon at ANZ Stadium, and uh, a bit of a boil over here. Weird kind of game, actually. Bulldogs raced out to a 14-0 lead, and um, Sharks came back, ended up scoring more tries than the Bulldogs, but still uh, couldn't get over the line. Yeah, Sharks certainly uh, missed the jump at the start of that game. Um, But I suppose things like that can tend to happen when you're playing against the team coming last, and it just Mm. goes to show that um, you can't afford to do that at this level. Mm. Mm. Uh, The the difference to me in this game... uh, it was probably Sean Johnson in that, like you said, the Sharks scored more tries than the Bulldogs, and Sean Johnson missed every single one of those conversions. I don't think any, I don't think you could have said that any of them were like gimmies. They were all sort yeah, of to I the side. They were all on bit. the wrong side. One but you'd think, but still, really like a, a player like Sean Johnson should have been able to get them. Plus, he also had a pretty bad game. Yeah, bad very, errors. very hot and cold with his. Yeah, uh, yeah, like some of his touches. I think at, at clutch moments, he. I mean, there was that one towards the end of the game where he just popped the ball out on the full, like from from forty out or something. Mm. Things that they. <laughs> The Sharks really didn't need at the time. Um, I, I would have thought that... I thought the Sharks had... They'd worked out the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs ran out to that lead, so they got to, what, 14-0 or something. And it seemed the, the game flipped from that point on. The Sharks knew what they were doing and they knew how to win, but they just kept stuffing it up. There, it was something... Like, the Bulldogs didn't win that game. The Sharks just managed to not win it, if that makes mm. any sense. Like, it felt like the Sharks were coming to get them and should have come to get them, but just... I don't know. Couldn't do it. Kieran Foran went off, I think, 25 minutes in. He set up both of their tries. So he was just in everything when they were dominating the start. Then he goes off. You've got suddenly a youngster in Jack Hogger running the team and a debutant in Brandon Wakeham. It was actually pretty good for, uh, was it Fiji, um, on the weekend. So um, some, a lot of experience in the halves there. Um, but, yeah, there's, you know, Moylan made a bunch of mistakes at the mm. back. Like you said, Johnson had some, some bad options there. Um, and now... Townsend kicked. Just, the, in, yeah, people are ragging on Townsend. He had a pretty solid game outside of that kick. But, but I'm just saying, in terms option, of no, yeah. Townsend had a, had a great game as uh, he usually does. But just in terms of that, the Sharks failing to win. That was just another another example yeah. of a, a whole you know bucket of times when they just they buggered it up. Mm. Yeah, it was a, a weird one, and I mean. You know, complacency, like you said, Wingy's a funny sort of thing. John Morris talked about that in the, the press conference. You can't just rock up against any team and expect to win. But, um, you know, the Dogs are one team. I sort of thought, I certainly didn't have them in the eight, but I thought they got that kind of grafting, you know, mentality and some good forwards and they should win enough games to come sort of 10th or 12th. Well, it's now looking like that probably won't happen. But that sort of game today is what I was expecting from the Dogs a lot more this year than what we've seen so far. I was just happy to see them get some points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were, they were throwing some footy around. Like, even um, after the, you know, got back to 14-12, they were, you know, throwing the, the passes around and, um, you know, trying a few things. It just hasn't quite worked for them. Yeah, I agree. At the beginning of the game, they were they were playing expansive football. Mm. It was really unlike 
unlike the Bulldogs. They were just they were chucking it around, which was great. Mm. Anyway, the uh, the earlier Sunday game over there in Auckland, the Panthers ended up winning nineteen eighteen, and I'm just thankful that I wasn't in the media box trying to write the, the match report for this one because I don't <laughs> I don't know how I would have I'd still be writing it. There's a lot to go over in this one. Yeah, I think um, well Maloney's been playing well lately, and mm. I think he's certainly playing with a lot of confidence, which is showing on the field. He's just one of those guys. I mean, he. He closed the game out for them. But he's just one of those guys that can sense the momentum on the field and take advantage of it. I think, for me, the Panthers still weren't that great, uh, mm. but it seems like they they have a bit of a foundation on which they can build upon now. They mm. seem to be p- playing more like a team, which was um, one of the biggest criticisms for them early in the year where they just had nothing across the mm. park. There's... There's uh, cert- certainly some signs where they can um, look. They've got good players in the team. Yeah. Um, they've just they just need to work out how to pull it together. But it's a long season, and they've how many have they won in a row now? Five in a row. Five, Five in a row. row. Yeah. I don't think they've scored twenty points in any of yeah. them. It really doesn't matter how you win yeah. at the back end of the year. Um, but I think they've got some something they can work with. Yeah, the Panthers did well with this one because, like like you said at the top, CK, this game was like weird it was it was nuts it was um, weird. and with you know to be down at one point to 11 men uh controversially you, you would say which i'm sure we'll go into yeah. with tries and and calls seemingly just everything just seems to go against you a lot of teams um you know it'd be very easy for a team to be like oh well you know throw the toys out of the cot and just start doing really dumb stuff um but they sort of held it together and they they pushed on and they kept going I, I, like and maloney you know, he was a standout and all of that. Like, there were times when he was right up in the face of the referee trying yeah. to trying to plead his case, which, of course, is not going to do him any good. But mm. he pushed it to the point where um, he, he, he could have kept pushing, I think, to make things worse. Yeah. But he made sure that he didn't, I guess, and then let, led the team to go on. Yeah, so to recap on some of those, you know, controversial calls, uh, Liam Martin, Sinbin, just before halftime, basically for repeated team infringements. I mm. think it was his first penalty, but the team had been pinged a few times and... Um, so was there an official warning given before that? Well, so uh, the the ref spoke to someone, and it wasn't Maloney who was the captain. But they mm. don't have to speak to anyone. There's no requirement for an official warning, or you've had five in a row, calm it down. Like if they think it's been too many, they can just bin yep. someone for repeated infringement. So there's no sort of requirement. But one way or the other, Martin got Simbin for the repeat infringements. <clears throat> I think at least two of those on the lead up were actually against Maloney. Um, so they considered a try right after that. Came back out after half time. <clears throat> pardon me, and um, Jerome Luai got binned. Um, basically, the Warriors made a half break. Ball went to Tuovasa Shek, who appeared to drop it. He may or may not have dropped it on the toe. I'd have to see a close-up replay, but um, Jerome Luai hit him right after that and got Sinbin for a professional foul in a, a try-scoring situation. So I'm not, I'm not, I'd have to get a real close-up look at the, the replay to say if that was a mistake or not. So I'm pretty sure that that was just a, a straight-up knock-on. Like, I mean, I yeah, I, I haven't looked at the, re- the replays as, as closely as uh, I suppose one should if they're going to make comments about it. But it seemed to me that, yeah, like Tuvasashek knocked it on and then Luai sort of bumped him on like after that. Mm. I think knowing that, okay, the play's dead, whatever, I'm just I'm headed that way, I'm just going to stick an arm out and didn't like clock him or anything, just basically made contact with him. Mm. And I suppose the refs obviously didn't think that it was a knock-on, so assumed that it was still live, which it may have been, and that Tuvasashek was competing for the ball. So that's why it was a, a sin bin. That was certainly the, right. the thinking okay. behind it. Well, if that's um, the case, it makes more sense. But still yeah. looking at it, I, I 
did not. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I think it was thinking it was still a live play, but it, unfortunately mm-hmm. for Penrith, after that, the ball went out, and what looked like a an all time miraculous grounding by Fusatura in the corner, um, which was awarded. Uh, subsequent replays would suggest that his hand actually went into touch before he grounded the ball. That should have been a no try. So um, Penrith really copped a few unlucky moments all um, together but I, I really enjoyed there was a quote from Maloney uh, coming off the field and um, someone asked him you know what were you saying to the boys after that try was scored and everything was going against you and he was just like boys just think about how good it's going to feel when we actually win this <laughs> 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 um, oh what a great quote that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good stuff <laughs> um, so yeah they got away with that one that, I mean the only really sour note from this one unfortunately is a, a probable ACL injury to Nate Roach the hooker who missed all of last year with a back strain or a back injury it was what really was good to see him back out there, and then unfortunately he went down with no one on him, changing direction, and uh, hopefully it's not the worst-case scenario, but it sounds like it is. What was the deal with the Warriors jersey? I'd never seen that one before. Oh, that's most weeks, isn't it? But, like, that had, had no had seemed to have no reference to, you know, the classic Warriors design at all. It, was, it looked like a... Sure. I liked it. I think it looked like a mouldy West jumper, <laughs> like someone, someone that you'd left out in the sun too long and the blacks faded to a dull green. Mm, it was so awful. Didn't like no, it. not a fan. <laughs> Put me down as not a fan. And divide people, the Warriors jumpers. Um, anyway, enough about that one. Saturday night was another... I've been saying weird game a lot. This was a weird game as well. Very slippery up there in Darwin. Um, Canberra's absolutely dominating the Eels, who appeared to have nothing, and then um, you know the, the roles was completely reversed, and the Eels steamrolled over the top of them. And um, Wingy, you've played under Sticky. Uh, you would have enjoyed that. My, I, I, I would have feared for them in the change rooms afterwards. Uh, <clears throat> look, if, if the effort's there and you're putting your body on the line and you're playing tough as Sticky likes it, um, and you lose, then fair game but knowing Sticky there is one thing that he hates more than anything and that is soft tries soft defence not putting your body on the line and the way that they started um, was really good 16 nil lead you know you can't do much more than that but then the tries that they let in were just they were just soft and you know, I can I can really see Ricky Stewart losing his nut over all of that I mean the first try for, for the Eels was a bit of a nothing um Mm. Probably miscommunication. Uh, but then the second try, um, Ferguson's try, they really should have put him into touch. Yeah. I think um, Croker fell over in that one. <laughs> and then the third one, they actually had a, a really good ball movement down that left-hand side and um, probably could have put on a try themselves, but a bit of a fumble. Unfortunately, it was Croker again. And then mm. Ferguson went down the other end of the field. And uh, the Mitch Moses try, that was... I mean, how many people fell off him? Three or four people? Yeah, it was three or four. In a game where, you know, it's you should be winning. Um, He'd be looking at that thinking that, look, it didn't mean enough to you guys. Didn't put your body on the line. Really need to have a look at yourselves, where your head's at. Do you think that the conditions would have had a lot to do with that? Like, this was played in Darwin. It was very slippery. Like, it just would have been really 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 hot like before kickoff it looked like they were already sweating maybe they'd chuck some of the they chucked water on them and everything mm. but if you're if you're used to playing in you know Canberra temperatures and every now and then you, you make the tra- like you make one trip to Townsville a year maybe other than that you're playing in it's rare that you'd be playing in, in anything higher than say like you know mid 20s and you're suddenly playing in Darwin where it's 35 degrees and you've got flies buzzing around you the whole time. Do you think maybe that towards the end of the game, that just got to them too much? Oh, I think it would definitely have been a bit of a shock to the system for them. Um, but both teams are going to play in it, really. Mm, and yeah, it's right. not 
too yes it is colder down in Canberra but it's not too dissimilar to what we have here so both teams would have had to have gone up there and ex, uh, experienced it but look to get off to such a good start and play well at the beginning and then just completely backflip that's that's more of an attitude thing and mm. a little bit of a lack of leadership as well um, you know yeah I don't I don't know really how um, how you can sugarcoat that, coat that one. It was just it was a nod to the Raiders of last year, right? It and, was and, a 2018 Raiders <laughs> yeah. performance. What do we what does it say about the Eels who've had a couple of real shockers this year like when things have gone against them like the Storm game up in Magic Round a couple of other times but um, that's two games now that the Dragons four or six weeks ago and then this one where they've got behind a fair way and then just flicked a switch and, and come back and, and won rather than falling in a heap. Well, well, it, sh- it shows from their point that um, they've just got to keep hanging in there because things can really turn around. Um, I think uh, for me, their team, it's Mitchell Moses. He's, he's the key. I mean, the Raiders had a lot of success attacking his channel and I think the, the first few tries there were in and around his defensive mm-hmm. Firstly, being isolated. Secondly, a couple of missed tackles there as well. But then, when you put him on the front foot and their forwards do, you know, their forwards hold the ball and get some good momentum, he just he can just single handedly turn that whole team around. So, um, for them, he's he's definitely the key. But it wasn't really the best game from them either. I don't think. No, they were shocking in the first half hour, and even the they continued to make errors after that. They just. Yeah found points when they did have the ball. Yeah, I reckon this this game, this victory might be a bit of a false dawn for Parramatta and Parramatta yeah. fans. I I I mean Canberra were just pretty awful in the second yeah. half. Canberra Canberra lost that game, I don't think. You yeah, exactly. And I, but I also Parramatta think won. like Blake Ferguson also just had a, a really great game. Yeah. Um and I think so too much of Parramatta relies on like it's almost yeah. like um how they used to rely on, on semi Radra. Yeah. Same thing. Like they, they rely mm. on that one player too much. Well, they don't and win that game without his exactly without his that the, the mammoth effort to get to for his the, his first try to stay yeah. in. That mm. was um, I don't know how he managed to do that. And then of course his his lucky intercept. And then the other thing is um, to rely on a winger is you know as soon as you come against come up against the good teams, they know how to devise a game plan to take a mm. winger out of the game. Which is if you're relying, did the yeah, last time they faced them. If you're relying on a half or a five eight or a hooker or um, someone that can be all over the field that's a lot different but a winger you just play down the other side Um, Mm. so I don't really see them going too far with that approach yeah well I mean Canberra in round five or six whenever it was just completely bashed Ferguson out of the game so um, you know they probably should have stuck to their own game plan a little bit better anyway the second Saturday game the night's far too good for the Broncos who um, so I think that's four games now in um, New South Wales this season they've just had horrible performances um, and it wasn't great for them again, but flip side, our nights even without Kalen Ponga were really good. So what about Kalen? Is What was it, his calf or something? Calf like strain, apparently in the lead-up to Origin 2, so then he played on it. And I, I mean, you've played. When you, how, how do you get through a game with a calf strain? It's... Well, if it's a legitimate calf strain, uh, grade one or above, I don't, I, I don't know how you could physically run on it, mm. um, if that was the case, and... Younger guys can get over it in about two weeks, 10 days to two weeks at best. Yeah. Um, older guys, it can be up to a month. Um, 
and it's not the kind of thing that you can really strap up. I mean, you can put some strapping there and try and take a little bit of load off it, but he's a fast-twitch, high-paced player. Mm. Um, I think bigger forwards can sort of get around running three-quarter pace, but not not back. So it'd be interesting to see if it is actually a grade one tear um, or if it's just tightness and they're, and they're being a bit precautionary. But um, that's going to be an interesting one. But... Um, I thought Kurt Mann was pretty good at the back in his yeah, replacement. A couple of tries, yes. He, yeah, um, he had a hand in there in a couple of their tries there. Don't really get the uh, the Broncos changes. Mm. Do you have some more insight into? Yeah, into I mean, that? clearly what they were doing wasn't working. I think probably the the key part of the thinking was just for for Milford. He's you know was such a good fullback back in his Canberra days, and um, at times early on at Brisbane, I think it was just a case of him getting his hands on the ball in, in plenty of space and maybe taking a bit of the organising away from him. And mm. um, Darius has been isolated a few times at the back and maybe, you know, he's played a lot of his rep footy, you know, in the three-quarter line. Maybe they thought he, you know, they could look after him a bit more. Um, in the halves, you know, defending a, a three-man. But, um, I mean, the the way the game went, I, I don't think that was their problem. I think they had enough other stuff going wrong that even if that was a good idea, it wasn't going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. get them over the line. Yeah, yeah. One, actually, I was looking through the stats. It was a bit weird. Um, you don't often see that, like, the Broncos had more ball, better completion, um, missed less tackles and received twice as many penalties. Um, but still lost the game. Well, yeah, doesn't that, that just indicates how big a hole Brisbane appear to be yeah. in. Because, like, watching this game, like, it, it, it was a weird game, sort of similar to the Warriors-Panthers game. There was a lot of crazy stuff that happened yeah. in this game. But it was pretty clear that... Um, the Broncos had been given more than enough opportunity to do something, yeah. like just on penalties alone. But Newcastle did enough to hand it to them. Like Pierce m- didn't make touch mm. on two, like for two penalties, and, mm. and just things like that. Just should just give you a much better standing in the game than the Broncos uh, allowed themselves to take. It was just there. there there's something really I, wrong. I just feel like um, so. I look at I look at Newcastle, and they seem like they have a better default to go back to to get the result whereas the Broncos don't really seem to have that they don't they can't fall back to anything that that's going to get them across the line mm. um, and I feel like well particularly with those changes but the way that they're going they kind of they're still just fumbling their way along mm. I mean they've had a lot of changes this year obviously it's a new coach's first season they've yeah. gone through up to the third half back I think Nick Arima left and then did and got injured yeah. you know three hookers as well like McCulloch got injured Seguiara came in Turpin's played um, then they've switched their two experienced spy members with each other plus they got mostly a very young forward pack as well so maybe they don't really have a default that yeah. they've found yet to fall back exactly. on exactly and I think and that probably just highlights more than anything how important it is to have a stable spine. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, they've just got to keep plugging away until they can try and until they can try and find it. So do you reckon they buy their ways out, buy their way out of this problem, or have they got some red hot juniors that that, that just yeah to fill the gaps? I mean, Dearden is you know theoretically a red hot junior, but you can't expect an eighteen year old halfback to yeah. come in and turn your season around, even if he he didn't get hurt. Um, and same with the forwards. Like, you, you know, Pangai's really struggled for consistency. I think mm. Haas probably hasn't struggled for consistency, but he's still a, you know, a young Still player. finding his way, yeah. Yeah. What did we think of it? A lot of that um, game was billed as, you know, the, the New South Wales origin props up against each other with Clemmer back from injury, that broken wrist for the Knights, then Haas, you know, trying to fight his way back into the Blues team. Well, 
I thought both Huss and Clemmer were good. Yeah, mm, um, I agree. Clemmer, look, he's just, he's so reliable, isn't he? Mm. You know what you're going to get. It's always going to be a high quality. Actually, the numbers that he pumped out today, what was it, 196 metres? He was massive, um, yeah. Apparently he's getting painkiller in- injections in- before the game so yep. that he can get through it, but you wouldn't even notice it when he's out on the field. Um, mm. And then Payne Haas, he's just got, well... You know he's a bit of a favourite of mine. He's got such mm. a good engine, um, and I think we will see him in the re- arena a fair bit over the the next decade. Absolutely. Um, I'd still like to see him in the in the <laughs> final New South Wales team. I yeah. think he could just be really, really potent off the bench. Um, but we'll just see what happens there. Absolutely. Uh, Saturday footy kicked off with the Titans up against Manly up there on the Gold Coast, and um, I don't know what you do with the Titans at the moment. They were never really in that one. Titans are in a bad place. Like, you can just tell. There's, um, it's not that, I mean, they've got enough quality players. We, like, this is, this is no, nothing new to any, anybody on this podcast. They've got quality players. Uh, they've got pretty good infrastructure. Like, Mal Mening is the head of inspiration or, or whatever, whatever the title <laughs> is, sorry. Um, and there's just something wrong with the, their desire, you know, mm. intensity, all that sort of stuff. I, I, when I was watching this game, I, the Titans, I thought, were, were pretty competitive for the first 10 minutes yeah. like I thought oh cool the Titans are on here this is going to be like a great game and then all of a sudden at half time it's like 24-2 or 22-2 or whatever it was they just there's just something's just not working it's like they've just got a bunch of players who are there they're just there they don't um, they're not like excited to be there and I feel like it's uh, I feel like they don't know what their role is in all mm. aspects of the game. They don't know what the fundamental non-negotiables of their position involve, um, as you would say with a Melbourne Storm. So everyone that steps into the, a set position at Melbourne Storm, they know exactly what they need to do. They know exactly how they need to play. They know exactly the decisions that they need to make at various stages on the, uh, of, the, of the game, and it's a very high level. And then anything on top of that that you can do that's individual brilliance or anything like that is just an, a value add. But you can't substitute those non-negotiables with your value adds because you're just not doing your job. Whereas I, I, f- I feel like with the, with the Titans, they don't really know what the important parts of their role are and they don't know, really know um, how, how much weight they should preference towards individual stuff or their own decision making and team decision making as well um, I mean their their uh, left hand side defence structure was mm. left a lot to be uh, lot to be desired um, it was it was actually quite rubbish and I think it was more so it, it, it was less about individual decisions and more about the structure um, so I think it's just a it's just a case of it's, maybe it's just it's the coaching they're not they're focusing on the wrong things. Mm. I don't know what it is, but um, mm. that's that's just the way that I feel when I look at the Titans. You don't really, they can do some good stuff, but they're not. They're completely inconsistent, um, and you never know what you're going to get with them. Do you feel like it's almost the opposite at Manly at the moment because they all really seem to know exactly what is expected of them and what their role is? A hundred percent, and that's what. And I guess a lot of it, and 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 Desi's identified that as it's. Um, First, it's your commitment and your desire and your effort that you put in. Um, and then if you've, if you've got those and you've got the basics right, then you're going to go quite a long way in most of the games. Um, 
he's done an outstanding job with some mm. of the players that they've got there. Um, and I, I dare say you could do something sort of similar with with the Titans if you just if you're just driving home the right things. Um, and I think I guess that's what probably what they're lacking. How long's Brennan got to go on his current deal? Do we know? Question without notice. I think he's still on for next year. Do you think, yeah, un- like, unless there's a late, you know, a late season surge from the Titans where they, they win, like, a, a couple of games, I don't think there's any chance of them making the finals. Um, can you guys see them see him surviving to next year? I mean, we haven't had a coach turf for a while, have we? Yeah, mm. uh, Titans have done it a, a few times. I, yeah, I, I never like seeing someone lose their job, but it's, you know, as they say, results-driven business. Yeah. So. I'm out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, look, um, the teams that I've played in uh, and the ones that I've performed the best in and the ones, the teams that have performed the best, everyone knew what their job was. Everyone knew what was expected of them when they went out on the field. Um, and then it's just so much easier yeah. just to chase, just just to chase that, um, that result, just to do what you need to do. Um, the times where our team hasn't gone too well, uh, I found myself sort of really not knowing, okay, well, wh- what's expected of me in this game? People, different people have different interpretations of what, how we're going to win. Um, and that can be, that, that, that can be, a re- that can be um, very, very distracting in itself mm. in, in, in the sense that people are going off in different directions. So, um, yeah. That's just what I reckon. <laughs> anyway, Friday Night Footy finished off with the Roosters against the Storm. It was an absolute bell ringer the first time they met. I think it was a Latrell Mitchell field goal that proved the difference. Um, almost this close this time, 14-12, ended up being a Cameron Smith penalty goal uh, in the second half that sealed this one. But, um, yeah, very, very tight, tense tussle from two teams that will be thereabouts at the end of the year. So I would consider this... So that first game, the game at Easter, easily the best game I've seen all year. That was just an outstanding display of, of football, yeah. right? So this, consider this the the sequel to that. And like most sequels, it it had all the elements of the of the original, right? So it had like slick tries, and it had like a bit of heat, like a bit of um you know tension in the, in, in players, some uh, controversial plays, and all that sort of stuff. But it just wasn't quite as good. Um, and like that's not to say this was a bad game because living up to that first game is, is going to be difficult. But um, it just didn't like even though it was close, two points like separated them. I didn't I didn't feel the same like uh, attention I guess waiting on the result. Mm. Maybe just because I'm so used to Melbourne, just you know um, squeezing the not squeezing squeezing the air out of an, of another team to eventually get the win. And so I just sort of knew what was going to happen. Um, but still like a great game, high quality game. Um, but uh, yeah, just. Not as good as the as the first time round, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think Melbourne did pretty well with their defence early in that game, and I think that's that's pretty much what won it for them. Mm, yeah. um, Roosters threw a lot at them, and when Roosters throw a lot at you, generally it's very constructive stuff. Um, and to be able to hold them out um, the way that the Melbourne Storm do, um, you always get a lot of confidence out of that in the second half or in the back end of the game. Um, I, th- I thought it was a, a pretty good result, particularly considering, you know, there's a number of players out there that were backing up from Origin last week. Yeah. The big highs of Origin last week and they'd be over in Perth and then having to go down to Adelaide. Um, yeah. But uh, a good game from the top of the table 
yeah. two top of the table teams. So um, you wouldn't expect anything less. So the winning play was the the Cameron Smith penalty goal. Milked it hard. <laughs> exactly right. So <laughs> like that so basically hard. Victor Victor Radley was it Victor Radley. Victor yeah. Radley was just just the like it was like watching a, a spider kill a fly. I suppose he, he was just a toy for Cameron Smith to like yeah. to get this penalty out of. Yeah. Have you ever was when in your playing days was there a player that was notorious for successfully milking penalties and were you ever you know the stage that he put the that the act was played uh, on? Oh gee, look, I can't. Because I just I'm Actually, just really keen to know I what it might. Justin Hodges a fair bit. Yeah. <laughs> he'd, he'd always kick around like a little cockroach <laughs> in, a, in a tackle and and manage to uh, jag a number of penalties. And God, it's good when you've got someone on your team that can pull that off. Yeah, because that was I could just imagine what what Victor Rally must have been thinking yeah. in his head as it was happening to him, just yeah. going, "Oh, you got, you've yeah. got to be kidding! How do I get out I of this?" Know, like... I know that was that that was just just him the master. But the flip side of that is, um, I remember when um, uh, Woods. Used to uh, went through a period there um, where he was in every tackle trying to get a penalty, mm. and you just think, just get up and play the bloody ball so we don't lose momentum. So mm. there's a there's always a flip side to that stuff. But Cameron Smith in front of the posts, <laughs> yeah, off. like he knows what he's doing. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a true professional. Just I'm too sure, good. Uh, young Victor learned something from the yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, Friday footy kicked off uh, at Wynn Stadium. Uh, Dragons up against the Cowboys. Um, bit of drama in the, the lead-up. A, a really nasty accident down there at Wollongong caused a massive gridlock, and we had players sort of hitchhiking to the <laughs> game, ditching their cars on the side of the road. Jeremy Lattimore had to jump on the back of some random's motorbike to get to the, the stadium before kickoff. But That's um, a story. Good story. Yeah, it's a great Good yarn. <laughs> um, yeah, Dragons end up shaking all that off and, uh, and getting away from the, the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the Cowboys were always going to struggle once they lost uh, Morgan. Um, he mm. had a hand in there, you know, getting them in the lead. He was a part of pretty much all of that. And then for him to go off, I think they really did struggle without his, his leadership and direction out there. Um, actually, I was really happy to see Matt Dufty do some good things in that game. Because <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just such a little competitor and he had a, he had a couple of... Not so good moments, but um, a couple of handling errors. Yeah. yeah, but actually, he was a. I thought he was, he was good for the Dragons, mm. um, and really, really contributed to that win. Um, also for the for the Cowboys, um, I, actually, it was good to see Scott Drinkwater. I yeah, thought he had yep. some really good touches, some good signs there. Uh, it looks much better that he's got a haircut. <laughs> and, um, I was actually looking to see how. It, I was looking forward to seeing how he would have combined with, with Michael Morgan. Um, but obviously um, that wasn't to be when Morgan went off. But um, I think there could be some good signs there for the Cowboys moving forward because that's just a – I think that's a, that's a bit of a dimension that they may have been lacking and he can, mm. he can certainly bring something to the table, particularly um, the way that they train their fullbacks down there in Melbourne – uh, they're very heavily involved uh, in attack. They're always sniffing around the ball. They're always there creating another option, um, sometimes a second ball player as well. So I think that's going to be a big bonus for those guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they pretty much unravelled from the time they lost Ben yeah. Barber in the, the pre-season. Obviously, you know, Tamari Martin, Jordan Carr, who's been a few guys trialled back there. But, um, you know... It, Sucks for them that he wasn't there earlier in the season, but he's exactly the sort of signing they needed at this yeah, point. I think that's a good one, that one. 
Um, round kicked off on Thursday night at Bankwest Stadium, and um, after going what about eighty to six in the the wrong direction points wise in their previous <laughs> two Bankwest experiences, the Tigers pulled one out. Kenny, were you in attendance? Yeah, of course I was there. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll play a Tigers game somewhere, and I'll make sure I get there. Talk um, us through that try at the end. What were you thinking? Well, it was actually a, like I mean when. Uh, when Reynolds pl- slotted the field goal to make it eight nine nine eight uh, with what eight minutes to go, I actually I was actually really calm because I, I I didn't think that would win the game at all. I thought actually maybe that's going to work in our favour because South will relax a bit. Um, I didn't think the Tigers. I thought they'd equalise with another field goal. I didn't think the Tigers had it in them to score a try. Like we just got lucky. Like that cheek cam. That was just a, a freak cheek cam try, similar that's to the one. Second one. Isn't yeah, the same, they did the same thing. Now. Like, but without so that, if it, if it does it one more time, is it still luck? Well, I mean, I, I, I was, I'm not saying that he doesn't have skill. He certainly, he certainly has skill. That was a great try. But if 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 that didn't happen, like it just would have been a really forgettable. There's actually two really great two great things happened in that game: the Cheekam try and the Burgess eye gouge. Now that was a horrible thing that happened, but at least it gave us something to talk about. Otherwise, what else would you say about this game? It was a snooze fest. Yeah. I was going to say it wasn't it was a awful. great thing that happened. It, but was, it was awful. Yeah, it was, yeah. I thought from the buddies' point of view, they were pretty. Oh, very average across the park. Um, yeah, but yeah, not very disappointed with Burgess's uh, Burgess with the eye gouge thing mm. under the post. I don't. Uh, if it was a player in your own team, you don't want your players doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. you get no benefit out of that. Um, it does nothing for the team, and I'm I'm just scratching my head as to why he would have why he yeah. would have done that. There's one thing I wanted to call out about that, though. I thought both both Robbie Farah and the ref did a really good job of responding to it because Robbie, got, he was fuming. Yeah. He thought, he, poor Damien Cook, he thought Damien Cook had done it and yeah. was yelling at him. The ref knew what was going on and yeah. said, stop, I've got this. Yeah. And, like, it was great great from the ref to sort of to yeah. do that, but also really um, controlled of Robbie to... to respond to that as well so he yeah. as soon as the ref told him I've got it go away he did whereas yeah. like a less maybe a less experienced player could have really made things a lot worse so I think both of them did a really good job there yeah but um, I mean we don't know what the outcome's going to be yet referred straight to the judiciary the he's numbers get bandied what, around what, what, he's what, in big trouble what numbers are they talking there 10 to 12 weeks is wow. the sort of the, the brackets getting huge. spoken about and I mean to me that sort of seems fair like yeah. you can't be getting well so what happens if through something like that, um, say someone fell on Burgess's back and he, he did some permanent damage oh, to his yeah. eye. Mm. Um, it was just—it was so—it was just deliberate. A deliberate. Yeah. All he was going for was to cause, like, um, we'll say discomfort. Yeah. At the eye, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder what that was though, because they used to be teammates. Yeah, know, yeah. Well, they, you I saw them on the field having a long chat afterwards. Yeah. It sounds like Burgess apologised and yeah. Farah sort of just a just a brain explosion. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you know, dirty the- pom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like Farah's re- refused to sort of lay the boot into him yeah. since, like you know. But it's just clearly a massive brain explosion. Like you said, mm. doesn't does it nothing just, for your all team. that does is hurt your team. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's probably lucky he didn't get either sin bin or sent off on the night, which hurts your team even more than yeah. being without one of your top thirty. So yeah, if if he'd successfully gotten away with the eye gouge, what advantage would it have given anybody at all? Like it. What, nothing. It, nothing, nothing. Like it Does wouldn't nothing. have stopped him from getting up and playing the ball unless he, you know, doesn't did slow something. the play down, doesn't do anything. What a what a dumb thing to just, do. It would just fire Robbie up, or yeah. he would have to go off if he yeah. did some damage to his eye. But mm. you get absolutely nothing out of that stuff. Um, outside of that, I thought Benji probably had an off game, wasn't at his best. Um, 
but some nice things. But. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was vintage, vintage Benji because there mm. were some great things and some really bad things, which is usually which is what he became notorious for, sort of in the middle part of his career. Mm. Um, but it was the first of the two shot clock penalties that we saw this round, mm. which yeah. I don't think I I can't remember another time this season when the shot clock's been because the shot clock goes off almost every single game it seems. But the well, penalties, like once they started, it's, it's they struggle to stop it if it's within a few seconds. Like it's quite hard to, but. Yeah, like you say, it goes off, but it's play on because they've actually restarted the play. But mm. th- this one was um, was it Milford, the other one? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah just that, get to that's it a time. big penalty. That is yeah. a really, really big penalty. That um, I wonder what the teams are doing to try and counter that or avoid that because we well, just kick it in time. That, that should be just <laughs> unforgivable. Yeah. Well, the clock's on the screen. You can yeah. see where it's up to, and it's not like it's a fairly generous yeah. time frame to get to the. Yeah. So do you just blame the guy kicking the ball, or is it? Yeah. Do some other people have to take some responsibility in the sense of like, yeah. okay, we've got to, we've got to do this. How can you let it run over? The clock's I there. Yeah, I, maybe it came he, earlier in the season. They didn't realise that there was a bag of balls out there. That was a sh- I guess shark. I remember <laughs> Gallon complaining. Yeah. We couldn't find the ball. They're right the there. Like, there's, a, there's a pile of balls over there. Mate. Every rugby not league in Australia found out that weekend that yeah. there's a bag of balls behind the trial line. No one ever knew about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, it's, uh, it shouldn't be that hard to get right. Um, before we move on, I just want to ask the. We've all been in this. Um, this you know uh, everyone loves Bankwest Stadium but has it been getting a, a reputation for being kind of greasy like at night the surface mm. was looked pretty slippery it was a really dry day in Sydney but the surface looked pretty slippery yeah. um, and I've been hearing that that's been a lot of feedback um, around yeah, the tracks. I mean, it clearly was that Thursday night uh, Panthers-Eels game was I mean the, the teams didn't help that but that was pretty slippery as well that's happened a couple of times it just reminds me of um, it reminds me of ANZ every time mm. you'd play out there regardless particularly during winter um, it would always be greasy and you always have to you yeah. always have to narrow the field up a little bit mm. which um, is a great segue into origin <laughs> <laughs> because I think uh, I think that's going to play into our hands as a play, play into the Blues hands um the fact that ANZ's always like that, um, yeah. and it suits our game plan a little bit more. Oh, well, it worked. They were great with in the wet weather yeah. in Perth. Yeah, so Callan Ponga pass the yeah. Corey Oates went into touch because they were going a bit too expansive in the. Yeah, so that, that that was the problem. So the Blues played footy. They passed the ball around, but there was a lot more shorter pass, passes, straighter line running, whereas the the uh, the Queensland team relied on their dry weather footy trying to pass it around longer passes trying to skip to the outside which doesn't really work in those conditions or is a lot harder to execute in those conditions so I'm hoping for a little bit of dew um, on the ground for the next game or even a little bit of rain because I think that'll suit us to a tee. So somehow Queensland are always underdogs, even when they've won eight series in a row and have 12 immortals, future immortals in their team. So now that they've actually, they're coming off a hiding and they've lost their star fullback and a few other players missing and they're going to be like genuine out and out underdogs, is this like exactly where they want to be heading into a decider? Exactly where they want to be, but I'm sure they'd rather be up in Queensland. Um, <laughs> well, true. But yeah, they they always manage to um, try and twist things around and... and put adversity in front of them and that's what makes them play better but um, look it was for me I think Queensland showed their hand in the first game in terms of what they were capable of and how they could play New South Wales surprised them with a completely different game plan in the second game but as a result have kind of showed their hand I can't see Freddie changing it too much 
um, for the third game. So I, I can I think it's going to be a, a lot a lot more of an even tussle. This mm. one. I'd say considering what we saw in game two and the fact that Kalen Ponga is almost certainly not going to play, he's yeah. a really hard player to replace. It's at ANZ. I can't see Queensland doing. I mean, I'm sure they'll be competitive because they're Queensland, yeah. but. Anything other, anything else but a New South Wales victory will be a complete shock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you, Wingy wrote a really great column on the the team changes and the fact that they were probably not making all those changes just because Freddie wasn't happy with their own team, but also to counter what he saw from Queensland yeah. in Game One. That you know they they have shown their hand now, so Queensland know what to expect. But also it worked so well that it probably doesn't require too much tinkering. And even if Queensland know what's coming, it's still going to be another matter to actually try and counter what what they had. And that's the hard part because now they have. They've got so many different points of attack, mm. and it's hard for it'd be hard for Queensland to compress in and defend one part of the field because there's pretty much ball players everywhere. So, and the fact that um, the fact that it's a it's a home ground, ANZ um, Stadium, Queenslanders generally don't like playing there too much either, um, and it might be a little bit slippery. I think it'll. It'll uh, it'll be it'll be a very it, it's an uphill battle for the for the Queenslanders. Mm. And what have you got in terms of team changes? So I mean, it, it sounds like Nathan Cleary is going to be named and given every chance. But let's argue for a second that he does miss out, and Clemmer is available. What is your sort of new look Blues team? Uh, I'd really want to have Clemmer in the team, just because he's just he's like a rock. You know mm. what you're going to get. It always delivers. Always punches out big numbers. Can play a lot of minutes if uh, if need be. He needs a he needs a place. Um, I thought Sophia was he was good. Yep. He did what he needed to do. Um, and he'd be unlucky to miss out. But do you keep him in the team and put him in the bench and put Clemmer mm. into the starting pack, or do you do you move him aside? The other one is um, Tarek Sims. I hope he doesn't get suspended because I thought that was a bit of a nothing. Um, yeah. I only saw it a couple of times. It wasn't but, particularly late. Yeah, obviously I, made contact with the yeah, head. Yeah, but, but I don't. I don't. Real. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Um, I do like, <laughs> as I said before, I think Payne Huss would be a good sub for him. <laughs> <laughs> get him in the team. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so on the if 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 Cleary doesn't play, I know there's different theories going around as to what the best um, substitute for him is but I, I do think that um, given the amount of footy that Mitchell Pearce has played in the past with um, with Maloney I think they could they could complement each other um, Pearcey didn't have his best game um, on the weekend but he has been playing pretty good this year and he's probably playing with the most confidence that I've ever seen him play with which is a big thing going in Origin and I'd also like to see him win an Origin yeah. <laughs> an Origin series with the amount of Origin that. that he's played yeah. throughout his career but uh, I don't know what do you think? Yeah I mean there's, like you said there's been a lot of theories thrown around I've seen a lot of support for Wade Graham just keeping the sixth spot because he was so good in the second half but my problem with that I mean first of all that second half was all front foot footy and he was coming yeah. in with the team already dominating but you also lose arguably most important bench weapon as a guy who can come on and, and yeah. spark something and, and cover a lot of positions as well which I think is a risk trying to replace him. Um, I've seen suggestions that Jack Whiten moves to six and Latrell comes back in the centres which you know I don't hate but I think Whiten was so valuable there at 
at centre. It'd be yeah. um, rough to move him. Um, yeah. I quite like just bringing Chad Townsend in as a as a like for like for Nathan Cleary as a guy who defends well on an edge, can get a good kick away, isn't going to overcall Maloney or try and run the team. Um, and there's you know arguments against that. You know, Mitch Pearce is probably a, a more experienced, more dominant player if that's what you're looking for. But um, I think those would be my two preferences: either Pearce or Townsend. I think surely Pierce, like there'd be, it's a great fairy tale, but mm. things could go really, really wrong, and mm. it would just. It, 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 I, I just think Pierce would be. Uh, I think he's already said that he doesn't want to play anyway, right? But I, I just think it's all too much. Like either has he said that he doesn't want to? Play? I think so. No, he said he's yeah. open to it. He said he's fine. I think. Like someone asked him which position, he's, ah, right. he's just like, I don't care. Like, um, but he's, he's definitely put his hand up. Because I know, like, for a fact that Freddie would only ever pick someone if they were one hundred percent committed to yeah. being there, and would cut off their left hand to mm. be there as well. So he hasn't sounded that keen. At yeah, in that point. case, I don't that, think he's picking. Yeah, so he's not picking for him. me, I think the fact that maybe that is the impression that he's giving off. Um, if that is the impression that he's giving off, I think. Um, yeah, I, I can't see Freddie picking him, but I'd like mm. to see him there. Yep. What do we do with uh, Queensland? They obviously got found out through the middle. They're going to have Joel Fahengawi available after he missed game two. Yeah. Um, Jared Wallace is probably under a, a lot of pressure to hold his spot. Dylan Napper and Tim Glasby didn't offer a whole lot. Um, I thought Glasby actually tightened up the middle a fair bit when he came on. He's probably a good, important cog in your team when you're playing well, but he's not one of those game changers that's going to turn them around if they're on the back foot. Um, Christian Welch is another one that's been thrown up to, to come in. I think he probably would have played game one if he didn't hurt his knee, and he probably would have played game two if he wasn't just coming back from a knee. So he's another one to, to look at. I think the biggest the biggest question mark is what are they going to do with fullback? Embai. Embai fullback. What Embai straight in there? Yep. Um, I would move Michael Morgan there. I think he had a tough yeah. outing at centre, and I think he's a better fullback than he is at centre and probably a better fullback than most of the other candidates other than Cameron Munster who I think is probably a bit too important in that halves combination with DCE to move him at this mm. point. I've seen a lot of support for moving Munster and bringing say a, a Corey Norman or someone into yeah. the halves which isn't the worst idea but yeah I just think Morgan to fullback and then um, you know what do you then move Dan Gagai into the centres and bring in Cole Felt on the wing or you know, there's not a whole lot of other centre options. I I don't mind bringing Embi into the centres. He's been playing there for the Tigers. He's the club captain out there. He's a you know dangerous ball runner and a you know fairly reliable tackler. Yeah, I, I actually don't mind um, Munster at fullback, but mm. I'd have him playing a much more dominant role in the sense that he'd be playing like a more like a half in attack, um, and then you'd maybe have another half that just pays like a, a secondary backup role um, Milford as Norman. well um, yeah I don't I couldn't imagine that Milford has the most confidence under his belt mm. at the moment well, and do you confidence. move Morgan in there and, and reshuffle the three quarters yeah I, I'd even be inclined to move Morgan in there or leave I think Morgan would probably fill it a little bit better Yeah. but um, I don't I wouldn't really want to have a smaller body out in the centres I mean, there's not a lot of centres. Um, they've got Mbai in the squad who's playing centre yeah. at club. They've got Gago on the wing who's played centre as well. It, the next, like, regular NRL centre from outside of that squad is probably Heimel Hunt. Yeah, I'd be more inclined to put um, Gago in the centres if mm. that was the case. Yeah. Um, or you could leave Morgan in the centres and then you just bring in someone like Norman at 5'8 and just let him play a, 
a secondary backup role, but then how's his how is his defence going to hold up at origin level? Because yeah. when you're standing there on the edge, you're going to get everything coming at you. And it won't just be one out, it'll be guy, two or three guys coming at you at the same time. Um, it's it's a lot harder to defend at a, at origin level as well. He just needs to make good decisions, right? Like, mm. you know, Maloney's not the world's best tackler because he yeah. makes good decisions in yeah. defence. He might miss some tackles, but he's not sort of letting his teammates down. I think mm. Norman can fill a similar role. And I think he's probably got a similar approach to his footy, really. Like, they're both very competitive but have that, you yeah. know, just that attitude where nothing really seems to, to phase them where I think he won't be overawed coming in. Mm. Oh, well, we just wait and see. When do they announce it? <laughs> Tomorrow. So 9am for the Maroons and then 6pm for the Blues. Oh, oh is that like, is that gamesmanship so the Blues can pretend to make changes reacting to the, the Maroons lineup. Well, it used to always be the other way around, wasn't it? Blues would announce first and then Maroons yeah. could sort of sit on it for 12 Do hours. Do you know what I, I really want to see um, for this game? Um, I want to see Queensland go out onto the field first and I want to see New South Wales come out about five minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> like Queensland always do. <laughs> that drives me insane, the arrogance with which they do that. But I'd really like to see New South Wales mm. try and do something like that. Just stay in the change rooms, <laughs> let them stand out there and then come out later. <laughs> it's got a bit silly some years, hasn't it? You did take it to sort of three know, minutes. It's, such, it, it's yeah. such funny little games. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're burning up all that adrenaline yeah. while you sort of already run out there, so maybe that's sort of the thinking behind it. Anyway, we've rambled a long time uh, on possible origin team changes. Like you said, we'll find out um, sooner rather than later. Um, and then we'll be back this time next week to wrap up what will be a reduced buy round of uh, NRL. Can't wait. See you later. See ya.